I had anticipated that this sermon would go a, a certain way, that it would be a, a fairly easy sermon on the importance of slowing down and rest and the idea of Sabbath and taking a Sabbath and resting in God. Because we've been looking this whole month at adjusting the volume so that we can hear God when life gets loud. In fact, we had it all planned out because we actually started this series. I don't know if you remember, we started the series in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, which is the verses right after these verses Kimmy just read just a second ago. And so we kind of had this plan, you know, we start in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, where it talks about the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And talked about the importance of reading scripture, that if we're going to really uh, hear God, that we have to read his word. And it has to be empowered by Jesus, who is the word of God. And then two weeks ago, we talked about the importance of prayer and, uh, and how important it is for us as a body to be in communication with God, back and forth. And then uh, last week, we talked about if we're going to hear from God, the importance of guidance and wise counsel, that we need to be a people that can give spiritual guidance and place ourselves in that position that we have relationship with others, and also that we receive spiritual guidance. Because oftentimes God's voice sounds like a wise brother or sister in Christ that is telling us, hey, this is where God is leading you, or this is where you need to stop being stupid, Right? And then I thought we'd wrap this series up this week and talk about Sabbath. And again, we'd uh, have end. We started in Hebrews and end in Hebrews, a nice, neat little package. That's what I thought. And then that was my plan. I, I like plans. If you know me, I like plans. But then I, I actually was reading this text from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 through 12. And it made me a little nervous as I was reading the text because that happens when you read scripture, by the way. And we talked about this three weeks ago that pastors even were guilty of this. Sometimes we, we want to place our idea on the scripture, what it says, instead of letting the scripture read us and place its idea on me. And so as I was reading the scripture, I thought to myself initially, I'm just going to change the scripture <laughs> and do something that I've done before on Sabbath. But I kept coming back to, no, this is what you should be preaching on and how you're going to truly hear from God in the midst of your life. Because this is what we need to be reminded of in our crazy life. And so it made me nervous as I read the scripture. And that's what happens. It can make you nervous. You see, I was focusing on one thing. And then I realized the text was saying something else. But it was still saying part of that, that idea of rest. But this is more important, more life-altering, more threatening. So, buckle up, buttercup, because you're about to hear fire and brimstone. <laughs> yeah. Never say, oh, yeah, to fire and brimstone. <laughs> Let me just say that. <laughs> That's like the prayer, God, do whatever you want with me. You better be careful with that prayer, because God might just do that. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, said the only requirement for those who wished to join the church was a desire to flee the wrath 
that is to come. A desire to flee the wrath that is to come. That's, that's the requirement for being a part of a community of faith. A desire to flee the wrath that is to come. You know, we Methodists, we don't talk like that very much anymore. Uh, we don't like that language. Uh, and we don't use that language very often. We would prefer the God of grace. And we do serve a God of incredible, amazing grace. And, but we rarely understand the other side of that equation. And that's God's holiness. His righteous anger. His wrath on a people who do not follow his will. But the author of Hebrews is reminding us of the holy mystery of who God is. And if we don't get this right, this relationship with God right, it will have eternal consequences for us. If we don't slow down, if we don't enter into God's rest, we will be doomed to the wilderness. We will be doomed to the desert. And we will receive God's wrath. That's one way to get you quiet, isn't it? So let's dive right into the text. It starts out, our text, if you have your Bible, you can open it up, and I would encourage you to bring your Bible. This is church, by the way. Chapter 4, verse 1, starts out with this word, therefore. Therefore. And so the word implies that it's talking about something before it. And so for us to understand the context, we have to understand it's connected to something before it. And, and indeed, it's connected to chapter 3 of Hebrews. And it's interesting because chapter 3 of Hebrews begins with the word, therefore. And so for us to really get that context, we need to even move on back into chapter 2 of Hebrews and see what it's talking about as well as it's connected to chapter 3 and chapter 4. And chapter 2 of Hebrews begins with the word, hey, you're smart, therefore. Yeah, exactly. You got it. And so it brings you all the way back to the first of Hebrews. It's all connected here. And Hebrews starts with this argument for Jesus as being the Son of God, that Jesus is God incarnate on the earth, that Jesus was in the beginning in creation and is the one who brings about salvation. That's chapter 1. And then in chapter 2, the author starts with a warning. Pay attention. That's what he says. Pay attention. He says, hey, you who are reading, look, eyes up here. Pay attention. This is important. If you don't get this, you're in trouble. Pay attention. And he's talking to the church. He's talking to those of you who are a member of a body of Christ, those of you who believe in Jesus. This isn't a, a, a word to those that are outside of the kingdom, outside of uh, faith in Jesus. He's talking to the people of God here in chapter 2. He's giving them a warning. Pay attention to what you have heard so that you do not drift away from the truth. And then it goes on into chapter 3. And we hear these words that will be repeated three times in chapter 3 and in chapter 4. Here's the words. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So what is this rebellion he's talking about? 
Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. This is referring back to the Exodus. When the people of God, remember the Exodus, they were in slavery in Egypt. They went through, had the plagues, they went through the Red Sea. They got into the wilderness and then they rebelled against God, right? He says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And in fact, this text right here above us is from a psalm. It's Psalm 95. And so here, when uh, the author of Hebrews is talking about entering God's rest and hearing God, he's uh, making these allusions to Genesis with Sabbath and resting. He's making these allusions to the people of God as they're entering into the rest, into the promised land in Exodus. And it's quoting Psalm 95. So I'm going to read uh, Psalm 95, which is a psalm of Exodus. But it comes much later. It says this, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountain are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and the dry land which his hands have formed. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Oh, that today you would listen to his voice. There's the, the text. Oh, that today you would listen to his voice. Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your ancestors tested me and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, There are people whose hearts go astray, and they do not regard my ways. Therefore, in my anger I swore they shall not enter my rest. Now, I love how Psalm 95 starts. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. I like that. That's the part I like. If I were to put this psalm on a, on a plaque, put it on my wall, I'd be tempted to uh, end with a part that, start, that ends with, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. That's where I'd be tempted to stop the psalm and cut the last part out. But how does it end? It ends with a warning. Therefore, in my anger, I swore they shall not enter my rest. The church, too often, we, you and me, we forget that we're in the presence of a holy God. The God who created all that is. The God that requires faith and obedience and belief. A God that desires truth and righteousness and justice. We approach God too often flippantly and there are dire consequences. And if you remember, it, the psalm talked about a hardened heart. And that should clue us in who else had a hardened heart in the Bible. In Exodus. In Egypt. Pharaoh. There you go. Did that turn out good for him? Having a hardened heart? Here they're warning us. If you harden your heart, here are the consequences. But here's the thing. The author of Hebrews is calling us into the rest of God. To rest 
in God. Now, I, I like that image. I like rest, especially when I was up half the night coughing. I'm like, I'll take the rest, God. Give it to me. I'm right here. Bring me some rest. So, but here's the calling into rest. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest is still open, let us take care that none of you should seem to have failed to reach it. This rest that God is promising is something that we can receive now and something that we will receive in the future. It's a both and idea. And this is, this is why this section of scripture is kind of hard to interpret because he's actually talking about the physical rest of Sabbath that we should be taking time to rest and be recreated. But he's also talking about the, physical, the, the rest that is promised in heaven that we will be promised an eternal rest as well. And both are critical. It is the now and the not yet idea of the kingdom. And it goes on. It says this, For indeed the good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Do you see the warning? The good news of rest came to the people of Israel As they had escaped the slavery of Egypt, they had witnessed the plagues. As they walked through the Red Sea, wandered into the wilderness, saw the mountain of God and the thunder and the lightning and the clouds that consumed the mountain. And then they disobeyed God. They didn't think he really meant what he said when he told them to obey him. So... They put God to the test. They didn't have faith. They didn't obey. And what was the consequence? They died in the desert. I want you to grasp that a second. But I'm a good churchgoer. I show up every Sunday to worship, I witness the miracles. There's a warning here, right? There was a consequence. So what does it mean for us? How do we enter into God's rest? Why did the people of Israel miss it in the wilderness? Two words. They forgot that they had to have obedience and faith. And because of that, they got The other door, wandering in the wilderness, dying in the desert. To enter into God's rest, we have to cease from our efforts, our desires, our ideas, our will, and embrace God's will. We must draw near to God to enter into his rest. That's a hard thing, though. Obedience and faith. Because they're not easy at all. And our culture has become so fast-paced, so frenetic, so chaotic, so driven by to-do lists and activities that, that we can't even keep up. And our standard answer, all of us, for how you're doing is we are, we're busy, right? We're busy. We're just busy people. And, and this activity, this, this pace of seeking out and not wanting to miss out on something... 
draws us into a web of activity that is going to choke us out and kill us. It leaves us spiritually empty because we don't take the time to reflect on who God is and who we are. And that emptiness also fuels this desire to fill that void with more activity. And we just kind of push it off. Or we can go to the other extreme. So some people, they, they just fill their lives and they just get busy, 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 busy. But on the other extreme is, are those who, who fill their lives with just vapid entertainment. Spending all day in front of a screen to escape. Doing nothing. And it's, it's the same idea. And it keeps us from drawing near to God and to each other. And where does that leave us? It leaves us stranded in the wilderness. Like the people of Israel in the days of Exodus. They didn't obey. And they didn't have faith. When things got boring, when they're, when they're at the, the foot of the mountain. Clouds and the thunder. Moses is up at the top. And they're like, it's been 40 days. This is boring. Aaron, why don't you give us another God we can serve? Let's, just, let's make a calf. It's a little more sexy. This is something we can bow down to. And, and the, the people are like, any of y'all hungry? I'm tired of this manna. Is there something else to eat around here? If only we had something better to eat. To enter into God's rest, it requires obedience and faith. We must stop our work and trust in God's work. Just as in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, God stopped his work. He ceased And he saw the goodness that he created. We too are called to stop our work and to remember the goodness of God. And that results in Sabbath rest. Part of that time is spent reflecting on our spiritual life and what is the spiritual condition of our souls. We get so busy and chaotic that we, we forget to slow down and reflect on our life until it is too late. And I understand this. It, we're all guilty. Why? Because honestly, sometimes we're afraid of what we might find if we slow down and listen. Honestly, we're afraid of what it would mean if we had to actually trust God and obey God. Right? It's the truth. We're afraid of what might God actually ask of us if we actually read his word and did what he told us to do. We would rather keep ourselves busy and not think about those big things. Let me just give you an example. This is, you know, in the Old Testament, God talks about tithing. Tithe just means 10%. In the New Testament, it doesn't really talk much about tithing. Jesus says in one time, you know, you hypocrites, you tithe, 
but you don't love. You should tithe without forgetting the deeper law of loving. He didn't say don't tithe. He said start loving more. So in the Old Testament, we have this idea of a tithe of 10%. It's fairly clear. The New Testament, we could argue that Jesus does away with that law. But what does Jesus say instead? I don't want 10%. What does he want? He wants 100%. He wants all of it. So we argue with God and say, you know, tithe is just too hard. I got too many bills. I got too much debt. I got too much things going on. I, I really can't do that. I wonder why you're not resting. That's just a little one. What does Jesus command in the New Testament? Zacchaeus, he's a good example. What does Zacchaeus give away? Half. What did he tell the rich young ruler? How much should he give away? All. Oh, you're talking to me. (laughs) What? How about just start with 10%? And then those of you who it's easy, how about go beyond where I'm calling you? But see, if we read and we listen and trust, God will call us beyond what we have to do his work, not our work. Again, this is not about stewardship or giving, but it's just one example of how we truly don't trust, we truly don't obey, and we truly do not have faith. That's just a little one. What about in your work? Are you living and working for God? What about with your family? The reason I believe we are so stressed and chaotic is because we do not obey and we do not have faith. The reason we can't hear from God is because God's not going to speak to us until we obey him. Right? We, we would rather him speak to us. Do you really want God to speak to you? Why don't you obey first and then we'll see what happens next. That's a tough one. But here's the thing. If we're going to hear from God, we have to have obedience and faith. The consequence is that many of you will spend your life. Let's go back to the scripture. Since therefore it remains open for some to enter it. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he sets a certain day. What day? Today. Today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The consequence is that many of you will spend your life in the desert. You will die in the desert, never to receive the rest in this life that God promises. You may go to church every Sunday. You might be on a committee. You might hear a lot of sermons, pray a lot of prayers, and yet die in the desert. Why? Because you have not placed your life into the hands of Jesus. You have not truly given your life over to God. You have not allowed him to transform your life. You have forgotten that the life of God requires faith and obedience. Faith is a personal aspect. It it must soften your heart to God's plan for you. It must soften your heart so that you learn to love other people enough to draw them to God. 
Faith requires us to trust in God's promises, not just give lip service. Faith requires us as believers to be in covenant relationship with one another. That's what we talked about last week with guidance that we give and take, that we share one another's life together. Faith requires us to examine our lives differently than how the world examines it. No longer are we our own. We belong to Jesus. Jesus is our vocation. Jesus is our life. Jesus is our purpose. He is our everything. Today is the day. As the author of Hebrews reminds us, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. I believe that for us to adjust the volume of our lives so that we can hear God, we have to slow down and actually take time to hear what God is saying. And we must approach God with a sense of reverence and holiness that too often we forget. Again, we like the grace side, but <coughs> excuse me, we forget the holiness part. Let me read a quote from a book by Donald McCullough. He says, visit a church on Sunday morning, almost any will do, and you will likely find a congregation relating to a deity who fits nicely within precise doctrinal positions, who lends almighty support to social crusades, or who conforms to individual spiritual experiences, but you will not likely find much awe or sense of mystery. The only sweaty palms will be those of the preacher, unsure whether the sermon will go over. And the only shaking knees will be those of the soloist about to sing the offertory. Reverence and awe have often been replaced by a yawn of familiarity. The consuming fire has been domesticated into a candle flame. Adding a bit of religion, at, religious atmosphere perhaps, but no heat, no blinding light, no power for purification. When the true story gets told, whether it is in the partial light of historical perspective or in the perfect light of eternity, it may be revealed that the worst of sin of the church at the end of the 20th century has been, <coughs> excuse me, has been the trivialization of God. Too often we trivialize this life that we have and this gift that we have been given in salvation. His offer of grace and holiness. You see, because God is inviting you to enter into rest. But to enter into that rest requires faith and obedience. It is both an invitation and a warning. Just a quick example from my family. My father, many years ago, had a choice to make. Stay married or get a divorce. God spoke one word. Obey. Is it any promise that it would be easier? No. Any promise that it would be fixed? No. One word. Obey. And by his choice... To obey, he's been able to enter into rest. So same with me, sophomore at Texas Tech, called to ministry. Well, God, I'm, I'm not a good speaker. I'm afraid. Obey. Have faith. You do that, you can enter into my rest here. The consequence of not doing that is what? 
Well, you can wander in the desert for 40 years and die. It's a warning, but it's also an invitation to rest. So I end with our scripture that we began with, Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joint from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And before him, no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare before the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. We stand naked before Jesus. That's scary. Today is the day of repentance. Too many of us have been flippantly following after Jesus, so busy with our own strivings, our own work, that we haven't placed our lives under the work of God. We need to repent because we all stand naked before Jesus, to whom we must render an account. If you want to hear the voice of God, if that's a desire for you, then you must place your life under the will of God. You have to trust, you have to obey and have faith. Let us pray.